Welcome back to the New Mexico Rising podcast. This is your host, Amanda Aragon, Executive Director of New Mexico Kids Can. We hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know I did. It's such a special time of year to spend time with our families, our friends, and our loved ones, and we certainly hope that you're finding time to enjoy the very best parts of the season. We only have two episodes left of this semester of our podcast. I really can't believe it. I'm just, I love this podcast. When we come in to record and I get to spend time with amazing community leaders that you hear featured as our guests, it really brings a lightness and a hope to my heart. And I hope that translates over as you're listening as well. As you know, we started the New Mexico Rising podcast because we're trying to do two things at once. At New Mexico Kids Can, we're trying to be unapologetically honest about the state of schools and education in our state because we know that if we're not honest about it, we're not going to make it better. But at the same time, we know that that conversation can be really heavy and really depressing. And we know that there's a lot of amazing things happening in some of our school districts, in our classrooms, with our teachers, with our community leaders. And so we started New Mexico Rising as a way to share those good things with you, as a way to say, we know what the solutions are. We can do this. It's happening already. We just need to make it happen with more leaders in more places, in more classrooms, as quickly as possible. And today's conversation is going to be another great conversation about where good things are happening. And I'm going to be honest, I think people are going to be surprised. Good things are happening at Albuquerque Public Schools. And as a former student at Albuquerque Public Schools and a resident of this community for my almost whole life, except for six years that I lived away and four in college, I know that we all have this narrative about what Albuquerque Public Schools is. And that's a lot based on what it has been. And today's episode is really going to focus on what it can be and where it's going. So I'm so, so excited to introduce this week's guest. But before we get there, I do want to remind you that we have lots of great episodes, including our most recent episode with Dr. Jesse Berry, the head of school at Albuquerque's Bolsky School, which is one of our private independent schools here in town. So if you haven't checked that one out, I definitely recommend going back to the feed and checking out all of our episodes from both semester one and semester two. And we would love to hear your feedback, which you can share with us by sending an email to rising at nmkidscan.org or the thing that is the most helpful for us as a new podcast would be to rate and review the podcast. And the last thing I'll say is if you're listening on Spotify, we've been um, playing with some new tools. So sometimes with each episode, there's a question that we're looking for feedback on or a poll question. And so as much as you'd like to interact with us, we absolutely love interacting with our listeners. Okay, so back to the good things happening in New Mexico's education system. Today's guest is a great thing in New Mexico's education system. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Courtney Jackson. Courtney is a member of the Albuquerque Public Schools Board of Education and represents District 7, which includes La Cueva and Del Norte High School. Is that still right? It'll change in January. Well, I will pick up El Dorado High School. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, hmm. I think El Dorado's in there somewhere, too. (laughs) Um, She was elected in November of 2021 and assumed office January of 2022, so almost two years ago. Courtney graduated herself from La Cueva High School, Go Bears, Bears. and earned her bachelor's in biochemistry from the University of New Mexico, Go Lobos, and her JD from the University of New Mexico School of Law. She is an active community volunteer and PTA member, including serving on the APS Education Foundation, two terms as PTA president, and past president of the Junior League of Albuquerque. Courtney and her husband, Wade, have two daughters who have been enrolled in APS since 2013. She believes it is essential that parents have a voice in decisions that are made at APS. She wants to support the mission and vision of the district by ensuring families and community members are heard and represented in the Board of Education's policymaking capacity. Courtney, welcome to New Mexico Rising. Thank you, Amanda. I'm I'm actually really excited to be here because I have been listening to New Mexico Rising uh, since the beginning, and it it really is an inspirational podcast. So I'm I'm excited to be able to contribute today. Well, thrilled to have you. And for listeners, in case you missed the last ones, I think Danielle Gonzalez was our very first very guest. First. So our very first episode was Danielle. Um, my goodness, I can't even, I, it must have been right after she was elected, because we started this podcast about a year ago. 
So, yeah. Well, maybe a year maybe in, I guess. About a year yeah. in. Yeah. So, check out Danielle's episode. And then about halfway through, I think earlier in this semester, we had Yolanda on, mm-hmm. board president Yolanda Montoya Cordova, who will be stepping down or her term ends at the end of this year. So if you're interested in hearing kind of the whole journey, Courtney is technically part three of this changing tides at Albuquerque Public Schools, if we want to call it that. So starting there, Courtney, let's go back to the beginning. Two years ago, Mm -hmm. you found out you won. (laughs) But before that, I think six months, nine months before that, Mm -hmm. you decided to run. So talk to us a little bit about your background, your career, and why you decided to take on the incredible task of running for school board. School board. Well, um, I I did announce that I was going to run for school board on my husband's birthday. So I feel like that was a (laughs) really fantastic birthday present for him. But really, it kind of, it goes back. Um, You know, you asked about my career, and I think really over the past 13 years, my career has been to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. Um, We... Be, you know, we, we thought that that was important for our kids, for me to be there. And so really what I did was just really involve myself in their education, um, but not only their education and what they needed, but also their community. So the kids and the community that were surrounding them. And so I just spent a lot of time at their school volunteering and, and became really invested um, in the PTA and worked really hard to make sure that that their school had what their school needed, like a makerspace and technology and um, materials for the classroom. and um, But also kind of in that aspect was able to start to see a little bit on the school level of how APS worked and, and had my first inkling of maybe there's not really a strategy here and, and how, you know, things aren't exactly transparent. So um, we'll fast forward a little, you know, fast forward to COVID hits and um, everybody goes home. And, and I think in the beginning, we all, we were all mm-hmm. on board. Mm-hmm. But then as, as things goes on, you, you kind of start to see, wait, other, other states are able to start getting kids back into school. And so then it kind of started to become, well, why can't our kids go back into school? And I just really started watching, like so many parents, the Board of Education meetings, where it seemed as though they were there was a real reluctance to put what the needs of our students were first. And we know now, with the benefit of hindsight, what was best for them was to be in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So um, we... You, you've heard me say this before, but it's really true. We have a rule in our house that you are not allowed to complain unless you are willing to be part of the solution. And um, as a mother, I really wanted to um, model uh, for my kids what problem solving looks like. And so we decided as a family that um, I had the skill set to be able to run. I, I knew my community. I knew what we were what we were asking for. And so I, you know, just decided to run, and and uh, so here I am, and 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 I think what I'm I'm excited about is that when when we when we started, I think it was a, a good good to bring that community perspective, good to bring that community that parent voice, but also you know to to realize that there wasn't really a plan, there wasn't really a strategy for how we were going to bring our kids back like we really needed to accelerate mm-hmm. and so I'm really proud of the women that I came onto the board with because we were all of the same mindset of we need a strategy we need a plan we need accountability and transparency and so it's been it's been really great to to have come onto the board at the time that I did yeah I love that you said the benefit of hindsight because I think people still get a little nervous about I'll, I'll say I get nervous even talking about COVID because I don't you know, you're, it just—it was such a crazy time. It still is kind of a crazy time in that people like to make a lot of judgments based on, like, how you responded to things. And so I just – I think it is really important for us, looking at all of the research that's come out, all of the data that's come out from other states, to say, yeah, we all agreed in March this was the right thing. Send the kids home. Extended spring break makes sense. Not returning that year, I think, made sense. It's when we went to – how long was APS out? 13 months? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 13 months of children not being able to step foot in a school building, not be able to see their educator in person, mm-hmm. not have the connection to their favorite janitor, their favorite cafeteria worker, their favorite 
secretary in the front office, like all of those adult relationships that we are collectively trying to surround children with in the schools Mm -hmm. just weren't there for them. And I think that's where, you know, those conversations of, I hope that now with the benefit of hindsight, we can all say, yeah, 13 months without that, without in-person instruction, um, was not the right move for our students. And we got to be able to be honest about that so we can move forward from it. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate the way that you kind of talked about that. Um, and the the emphasis and the importance with which, and the vigor with which you um, and some of the other board members, you know, Danielle and Crystal that came on with you, kind of were able to navigate that space and say like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? Because mm-hmm. we know that these impacts have happened. So what now? Mm-hmm. So, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, I was just going to say it's we we know we know it happened, mm-hmm. and we can recognize that, but it's time to move on. Right. And I think that is that is kind of the collective uh, mantra that that some of us have of, yes, let's honor that that happened to our kids. Let's recognize that that happened to our kids, but now it's time to 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 move forward and to really give what's best for them because that they deserve that. A hundred percent. So, so. You've been on the board for almost two years now. Mm-hmm. So three questions related to your experience so far. What has surprised you? What has challenged you? And what has inspired you? Yeah, those are good questions. And you really kind of made me pause um, to, to really think about um, my reaction, right? And I think when I need to think about what surprised me, I really, I, I broke it up into two, kind of two time frames. Um, when I first started on the board about almost exactly two years ago, I think the first thing that really surprised me was the deep entrenchment of the status quo. Um, you know, I had mentioned when I was a PTA member, you, you see things on a school level, but to sit on the board and to really understand how much the status quo is entrenched and, um, just that well we've always done this mentality um it's it was really surprising to me the kind of the lack of um willingness to change and so um there there was that there was also a really really surprising um the nastiness of the organizations that uh, that are really there to protect the status quo um i I have been really surprised and continue to be surprised, honestly, by the, the, the nastiness and the uh, um, just the, the unfair attacks that happen because of um, because a different voice is sitting on the board and is asking questions of why mm-hmm. um, and expecting legitimate answers when that question of why is asked. So that, I think that's that's the first part. But, you know, as we as we kind of move forward and maybe, you know, here we are again two two years down, I would I would definitely say there there are there are some um, some status quo is sticking around, but there have been some good shifts at um, city center and kind of I think one thing that has surprised me is there are adults there that really want change to happen, but they just needed somebody to stand in front of them and take the hit. And so I think it has surprised me that um, they were just waiting for somebody to say, let's do something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what surprised me. Can um, I, before yeah, you go on yeah, to challenges, mm-hmm. I, it's so hard, right? Because I, I know you. I know you very well. Um, we've spent a lot of time together over mm-hmm. the last couple of years, which has been such a huge gift to me. I see... You said this in, like, a very polite way because that is who you are, right? The nastiness. I've seen the Facebook posts. I've seen the emails. I've shared phone calls with you when things have been really ugly. Mm -hmm. And I also know that you have a tremendous amount of integrity. And if people disagree with you, you're you're totally open and honest to say, like, hey, let's talk about this disagreement. And I'll tell you where I'm coming from. And if at the end of it we still disagree, that's okay. This is not that. The nastiness that you're talking about is not policy disagreement. The nastiness that you're talking about is people ascribing intent and motive 
to your actions, to the actions of the other board members um, that are flat out not true. And I, I, I have been debating and thinking about our recording today, like how much I wanted to address this on the podcast. But I do think it's important that people listening, that they hear from me, which hopefully we've built up some level of trust with the community from New Mexico Kids Now, um, that people that know me trust me. And that I say, like, I know you, Courtney. I know Danielle. I know Crystal. I know Yolanda. I know these women. And I've seen the things that people say about them. And I've read the ascribed motives of what you guys are trying to do. And I can say with 100% certainty and honesty, none of those things are true. They are not true. These attacks of people trying to make you guys into these, like, power-hungry people that hate public education and want to destroy it and have all these political beliefs that you're trying to like put on to our children and families none of that is true and I want to say like on the record that I've never had a conversation with anyone um, with any one of you that that would lend any amount of credence or credibility to those attacks they're unfair they're untrue and I think at our I think it's hard um to see people that you care about that are doing good work in the community be attacked in those ways. And sometimes I want to respond or at my worst, I'll say, I want to attack the same way. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, they're doing it. Why can't I do it? Mm-hmm. Why can't we do it? And the truth is, like, I would never do that. I would never put in writing something that is not true about someone. I would never insinuate something awful about someone just because it works for the narrative that we're trying to create. And so I say all of that mainly for our listeners. One, to thank you, because I know people don't see that side and they don't know how awful your worst days can be when you're on the board. So I want to thank you. And then I also just want to tell our listeners, um, when you see stuff like that, just to question it um, a little bit more than I think we've been used to, because I'm saying it's just, it's not true. And I'm excited to have you on today so that you can talk about like why you are on the board and Mm -hmm. what the board is trying to do versus what people may have heard or been told so far yeah and and I'll just respond to that real quickly um the first thing I'll say is thank goodness my children are not on Facebook (laughs) um or Twitter or I guess we call it x now but like thank goodness they're not because I that's not something that the the stuff that is thrown out is not stuff that they need you know to to see about their mother um to your point about like if there are disagreements um why why not just reach out in two years there have been several disagreements I've had somebody reach out one time Mm. one time and she was an 18 year old who said you know I really want to understand it was it was regarding the parents rights and responsibilities Mm -hmm. policy and she emailed and said I really want to understand what this is and God bless her for having the the awareness and the the um, willingness willingness yeah. to say I'd like to have this conversation, we went. We had a forty five minute conversation, and at the end of it, she said, "Oh, I, I understand what it is that you're trying to do now." So I I agree. Like, reach out to me. Um, you know, I I had a friend who just just shared just shared something from one of these organizations, and I I said. I emailed her and I said, why didn't you call me and ask me? Like, don't yeah. just share things without, um, without reaching out to me first. But, um, so yeah, so please reach out to me and, and, and try to understand what it is that we're actually trying to do instead of what you think that we're mm-hmm. trying to do. Um, and then just the other thing, as far as like, um, public school, um, my children go to public school. <laughs> so to think that I'm out there trying to destroy public yeah. education is the exact opposite. I want, not only do I want my kids' schools to be the best, I want every child in Albuquerque to have a top-notch education. And I want APS to not be the school of last resort. Yeah, I want APS to be the schools that every parent feels totally comfortable sending their child to and know that they are going to get a great education. Yep. So, you know, it's... I appreciate you bringing it up, but it it really is, you know, it's time for more conversations and less, um, what is it called, a keyboard warrior. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on that note, you know, it's, we have two, sorry, um, three new people joining the board in January. Um, 
you got elected with uh, three other women. Mm-hmm. Two of those other women, I think you're oftentimes lumped together with Courtney and Crystal Danielle. Yeah. Um, all three of you went to the high school in your district. We did. So Danielle graduated from Valley. You graduated from La Cueva. Crystal graduated from West Mesa. Those are the districts you represent now. Mm-hmm. You all send your kids to Albuquerque Public Schools. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I wanted to say that too, because I do think it's important narrative. Not only are you a product of the system that you are now helping manage, but you have trusted that this system with your children and that's probably the greatest indicator of anything exactly so exactly. okay challenges i mean challenge. we just talked about oh. some of them but. <laughs> well i i think i think another challenge um is i am impatient for results mm-hmm. and and that has been a challenge of the uh what's the better word, the slowness of the bureaucracy. Um, I, I, I'm ready for results yesterday. And so that, that has kind of been a challenge. Um, and the, the pace by which change can be made. Um, I think that what the board has done with our new governance structure is a huge, um, that is going to set the tone. I'm just, I'm impatient for it to start to trickle down to our kids. So, so that has definitely been a challenge. And and then, like, what has inspired me? It's our kids, you know. And I'm gonna try not to to get broken up, but these kids have been through so much. Yeah, they really have, and um, they're strong. And you know, they they deserve for the adults in the room to give them absolutely everything that they deserve, and that's a great education. And it's an education that they get to decide what they want Mm -hmm. do they do you want to go be a doctor great do you want to go into the 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 trades fantastic it's up to us adults to give that to you and and our kids have just I'm I'm inspired I've now been to every area of town you know all the all the different schools and our kids they're the same no matter where you are they they want to be challenged they want, they want to be protected, and they want the adults to tell them, you can do this. And they can. And, so. and we know that this is such a good segue to our next topic of conversation, the, the strategic plan. Um, but before the strategic plan was created, you also had a diagnostic done, an instructional diagnostic of the district. So mm-hmm. someone came in, visited classrooms, not someone, a team of people, um, came in to like evaluate like what is happening in Albuquerque public schools at the classroom level what is the student experience like and some of that was student surveys and we heard from students and we saw from that diagnostic that students want they know that they're not being challenged in some cases mm-hmm. and they're asking I've heard superintendent elder say I think the thing that he was most surprised about from the diagnostic was how much students were saying we know this isn't we're not being asked to perform to our full potential and we can feel the bar being lowered for some of us. And we want a high bar. We want high expectations and we want clarity about what we're being asked to do and relevance. So give us a high bar because we can feel that we're not getting it. Mm -hmm. And that I think is, um, gives us a lot of opportunity to grow from, but also is like a little bit of a sad reality of like, Mm -hmm. Whoa, our students can feel that like, to some extent, we weren't believing that they couldn't do it. And so our reaction was like, okay, well, just don't worry. You don't have to do that hard thing. You can do this easier thing instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is the the soft bigotry of low expectations, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And and our kids can feel it. Yep. And they 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 know that they can be challenged. And I think that's that's why, you know, again, this, this student outcomes focused governance, which leads to goals and guardrails and a strategic plan, that's a signal to our kids. We know that you can do this and we're going to support you. And so now the adults are going to change their behavior so that we can give what's give our kids what they need to succeed. So let's talk about it. Emerging Stronger, the Mm -hmm. new APS strategic plan came out this summer. um, And I'll highlight that it includes a 10 10 point increase in proficiency in both math and reading by 2028. So I'll also say if people listening have not seen the strategic plan, you need to go look at it um, and you need to hold the board accountable to making sure that it's implemented. But talk to us about the plan and how the district is 
planning on accomplishing these goals? Sure. So I think before we can actually talk about a strategic plan, we kind of have to go back and I've mentioned it before, but it's the student outcomes focused governance, Mm -hmm. um, which is a total remaking of how the board is governing. And really it, it, it's based off of two mantras that two mantras or mottos that we're, we're really trying to focus on. And the first is that the role of the school board, the only role of the school board, is to improve student outcomes. And then following along with that is student outcomes are not going to change until adult behaviors change. And, you know, we've talked about that already, but it really those two things that's what the, the school board should be focusing on. We don't need to be focusing on hundreds of pages of check registers. We need to know whether or not our kids are being are proficient in literacy or math or um, post-secondary readiness or um, life skills. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to be focusing on. So really, it's, it's about exhibiting behaviors in the boardroom that we can reasonably expect will be found in the classroom. And so it really starts with, with the board then the superintendent and then um, so trickles down and it's again it's 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 about not having political fights from the dais Um, you know we we all are representative representatives of our communities and those communities might have different uh, vision or not well we don't have different visions different uh, understanding of how to reach that vision Mm -hmm. but what we can can as accumulation of that, we all want what's best for our students. So um, really what it what this governance structure does is it focuses on how we're going to be effective an effective board. Um, it helps us to set the goals and the guardrails, the goals of which you've already you already mentioned. It mm-hmm. was literacy, proficiency, post-secondary readiness, and life skills for our students. Um, but it also overlays a, a monitoring and accountability. Uh, which is kind of where the strategic plan comes in. So once we set the goals and the guardrails, it was then incumbent upon the superintendent to develop a strategic plan taking those goals. And so his role, his or her role, is going to be um, really making the the changes within the district in order to align to those goals. And how how are we going to to make sure that's happening? It's we're going to monitor. And it, it sounds so simple, but this is not something that has been done before. And that is a big change. What is going to happen now is it's the board saying, this is the information that we want from you, superintendent, instead of the superintendent coming to us and saying, I'd like to talk to you today about how we're going to rename a school. Yep. That, that has nothing to do with student outcomes. So um, every month you'll see that we're going to uh, monitor the goals. We're going to monitor the interim goals. And we have also, as a board, been trained on how to do that efficiently. What are good questions to ask? Are we asking strategic questions? Are we asking technical questions? Are we asking tactical questions? But really, are we asking the right questions so that as the district is making um, changes throughout the uh, with the goals, we know whether or not those are, are working for our kids. So so we're going to monitor, and I think overlaid all of this, we're going to continue to talk to the community and make sure that what they have asked of us, which is the four goals, we're going to continue to go out. We've already set a two-year community engagement calendar, so we're going to continue to go out and check in and let them know, and that's the transparency aspect. Let the community know, here's how we're doing. This is what we're doing well. This is what's not not going well. And um, I think that that's, again, it's just this huge shift in a focus of what the board actually does, uh, what our responsibility is, but uh, how the community can and should be involved. I cannot emphasize that enough. Our community needs to continue to be engaged and to continue to to ask questions of why um, why things are, are happening and, and how we're going to get better. But um, I think that's, I mean, it's, it's going to be really exciting. I, I know we were all turning into Board of Education meetings during COVID because we <laughs> wanted our kids back in school. But now I would actually encourage everybody to tune into the board meetings to see how how 
how we are moving forward as a district. It's it's going to be exciting. That's a great point because everyone that I talk to about the boards says like, oh yeah, when I watched a board, well, people usually like say it to me as like, oh, sorry, I don't watch board meetings, which I'm like, I understand. But they'll say, I did watch during COVID. Like mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. There was a ton. I you You guys have probably heard the numbers from like the YouTube you know, like people were watching board meetings during COVID and they're not anymore, but they should be to your point, because now I almost wish people had watched then and then watch now because it is different. The whole board meeting functions very differently. I'm very grateful because now they're closer to like two hours instead of like seven or five. Yes. Um, I think you all are. I'm grateful for that because it's easier for a parent, right? Two hours is still a lot, but that's about how long it takes for a district of your size. Um, but you all, as people with full lives, like, I don't want you to have to be in the board re- meeting every Wednesday from 5 to midnight. Like, that's so much of your time that wasn't really being used effectively. And so I would also encourage people to tune in. Um, we will share some links in the show notes for the strategic plan itself. And then for some videos that the district made that I think are a phenomenal way to, like, get an overview of, like, What's going on? What is the strategic plan? Where did it come from? <laughs> and before we start talking about the implementer of the strategic plan, the superintendent, I do want to ask you a question. How long had it been since the district had a strategic plan prior to emerging stronger? My understanding is it never had a strategic plan. Um, and it had a, it had a strategic framework, Mm -hmm. but I actually brought the strategic framework. And if you look through it, what, from what they had before, there were no smart goals in there. So there really, there was never a plan. There was never, um, anything like we're going to increase by this amount over the next five years. So I think what you're trying to highlight is APS has been around for a long time. There has never been a plan. Right. Um, the, the metaphor that I always use because I think it's the most visual and the most accurate prior to this strategic plan, the, the plan was a bowl of spaghetti, throw it against the wall, see what sticks. And that's what APS was going to do. Mm -hmm. But now we are, um, moving forward with strategy based on data, um, to make based on research to make the best decisions for our kids and that's fantastic, and yep. it's different. And I think that's where, going back to what you said at the beginning, there is a lot of hope. Right. There is a lot of hope that things are going to get better for our kids because they are the ones who deserve this. And the last plug for watching a board meeting, you said the motto, one of the mottos of the board right now is student outcomes don't change until adult behaviors change. And if you watch the APS board meeting, it's actually pretty incredible because the first thing you see is a – a camera pan of the dais and there's a huge banner that hangs on front of the dais now that says student outcomes don't change until adult behaviors change and that is all seven board members right right saying look at this banner we're all sitting behind this banner saying we are here to do this and i think that alone is an incredible visible shift of what the board is trying to do and i'm so so grateful that you guys are there doing it so I think people sometimes misunderstand the roles of boards versus the role of superintendent. So you guys set the goals and the guardrails Mm -hmm. of this strategic plan. Then the district administration via the superintendent and staff created the strategic plan to then say, like, here's how we are going to deliver on these goals set by the board. And here's, in my opinion, how the community can hold us accountable to make sure that this is happening. That all lives and kind of dies to some extent by the superintendent as the mm-hmm. as the leader, the personnel leader of the district. And as I hope everyone knows, we will have a new superintendent in Albuquerque Public Schools soon. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about what's happened so far with that process, where it stands, and most importantly, um, what, what we're looking for in a new superintendent. And uh, this leads a little bit into the next question, but how the community needs to be engaged in Mm -hmm. in this work moving forward 
Yeah. So, so kind of leading up to this point, what what has happened is a um, a survey has gone out to families. Uh, it closed on November twenty second. So, um, our Sapper team, our, which is our data team, they are um, putting all of that information together. And it was it was questions of you know what characteristics and traits do you want in the next superintendent. So, so that is that is has happened. Um, Currently, all of the board members are um, engaged in community outreach with uh, organizations and businesses around the city that have a real interest in education. We've been going out and just, again, asking that question of, you know, what are you looking for in a superintendent? Uh, As we have those conversations, though, we are being very mindful of not giving our own opinion on that. Because we want the um, the feedback to, that that comes back to us to be very authentic and to be very uh, based on what the community is asking us, not what I am telling the community right. they want. So so again, though, I think what we are finding is that no matter pretty much no matter where you are in the city, uh, there are some themes that are starting to to arise for what we're looking for in a superintendent. And and I think that the community can see that with all of the hard work that this board has put in for the last two years to to get to the point we are with goals and, and a strategic plan, I think it'd be a real shame, right, to have a new superintendent come in who who didn't support right. the work that we've done. <laughs> Right. So I, I think that it, that is definitely one theme that I have seen kind of rising to mm-hmm. the top. Um, so that will uh, um, the uh, application closes on December 12th. Pretty soon thereafter, our uh, consultant will be narrowing down um, based on the feedback that we have given, uh, not only that we have given as board members, but what the community has given. We'll narrow it down to a set of finalists. And then come January, um, We'll start to have uh, interviews. Uh, you can kind of mark down tentatively. I would mark down January 30th is when there's a tentative uh, public forum for the finalists. But we we are hoping to have a new superintendent announced by January 31st, by the end of January. I love the idea of like a community forum with the finalists mm-hmm. because that is walking the walk of like we've, we've said we want community feedback. We're actually going to give you the opportunity to hear from the finalists themselves, not through whatever lens the recruiter has put them through or even the board, but like, here they are, and here's your opportunity to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really exciting. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and it goes again to the, you know, our governance structure is everything is based based on community voice. And um, I, I kind of, you know, the, the question is, how critical is this? It's very critical. This, this is, you know, the, the, the fourth cog in, in the wheel of how we're going to accelerate student outcome and, and student achievement. Um, and I was, I was kind of trying to, I, I think I speak a lot in, in visual, in, in metaphors, but the way I was thinking of it was, you know, when I came onto the board, the district was really like a stalled out car. Mm. Really, it was just a car that was just, that was just sitting there and the... The strategic plan, the goals, the strategic plan are uh, like, well, sorry, the goals were kind of like the jump start, right? Like the push to kind of get the car going again. The strategic plan is really the accelerator, but the superintendent is the one who's going to put his foot on the, his or her foot on the gas yeah. pedal. And so we need a superintendent who's going to come in and who's going to, for me, put that pedal to the metal and really start focusing on student outcomes and achievement. And so this is this is critical so that that car doesn't get stalled out again. Yeah. Like we are really on the precipice of some really great things. And so having a having a superintendent who is a really strong leader and understands the the benefit of a plan and putting the needs of our students first is just going to be it's going to be so critical, so crucial. I'm very excited, too, because I think oftentimes when a district, especially a district of Albuquerque size, goes through a superintendent hiring process, the expectation is that superintendent will come in and have and create their own plan, right? Like, oh, so then that whole process that the board has 
now undergone for the last year, year and a half, that part's already done. We don't have to wait a year and a half to get the superintendent to do the diagnostic, to set the goals, to create the strategic plan. That part's done. So whoever comes, hopefully, and this is me, Amanda Aragon, saying, like, this is what I hope, they're ready. They're like, cool, I got it. To your point, like, I've got the map. I got the car. I'm ready. I'm pedal to the metal and steering us to make sure that we get this accomplished and that to me is exciting because I don't want to wait another 18 months to like get the plan and Mm -hmm. if I would be really disappointed if someone comes in is like well this isn't my plan so I want to go create like no this is we got the plan let's go well and 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 that's a great a great point is Anybody who's going to come in, are they really going to go back to the community and say, hey, Albuquerque community, this plan that you created, it, I'm, not, I'm not okay with that. Right. So, I mean, that, that's, that's what is so amazing about what we have accomplished is, it, in theory, it shouldn't, having new board members come on is not going to change the direction of what we have already accomplished. Right. Because... It's our Albuquerque parents, families, community who all said, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. So it's not what Courtney wants. It's not what Yolanda wants. It's not what Danielle wants. It's what all of us want. Right. And so, and that's really powerful. So yeah, the superintendent, he's got everything. Yep. Just get in, put your, put, put the foot down and let's go. Let's do it. Let's start achieving. I love it. And that, that really leads, leads us to our, our next question and last question before we head to lightning round. I think it's part of the reason we started the podcast. The community has a responsibility to make sure that this progress continues, to support this progress, to we are – it is to your point about, like, don't complain if you're not willing to do something about it. I will probably be unpopular when I say this. There have been a lot of people in this community that have complained a lot about this district for the last decade. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who have said, oh, those people will figure it out. Those board members will figure it out. Amanda, you'll figure it out. Scott Elder will figure it out. Whoever it is, that is an easy way to opt out of not taking responsibility ourselves as a community to say, if we want a better APS, we all have a role to play in that. I don't care if you're a parent, a business leader, a community leader, all of the above, every person in this community has a responsibility to help make this district better. And part of that, I think, comes from being engaged in these big decisions. What is the strategic plan? Did you attend the meetings? Did you fill out the survey? The superintendent, did you attend the meetings? Did you fill out the survey? I get that the meetings can be hard. People are busy. I get that. But you guys have made it very easy to fill out surveys. And I know that you're actually looking at the information. And so this is my challenge to listeners in Albuquerque. And honestly, I think all of New Mexico, because APS has a huge impact on the entire state as well. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to help move APS forward? And if you don't have an answer immediately, I would ask that you spend five minutes thinking about something that you can do in the next three months, actually the next month. Oh, I'm going to check the news every day to see what's happening in APS with the superintendent search. I'm going to email my board member to ask this question that I've been wondering. I'm going to mark January 30th on my calendar to make sure I'm looking out for those superintendent finalists. But I guess this is my way of saying, what do you think the community needs to be doing in the next month, two months, three months to make sure that this progress continues? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. In in the next month, it is focus in on this superintendent search. Um, this this will set the course for the district for the next five to ten years. So this is a very important decision, and um, it will be grounded in what our community is asking. So um, you know, the 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 survey is closed, but email your board members and let them know what you're looking for. Um, Long term, I I addressed it earlier, but we have set a two-year community outreach and engagement calendar. The board knows for the next two years where we are going to be and when. And it is linked on the APS uh, website, uh, on the APS board website. 
but be engaged. We are, we, you, you've all watched a board meeting at public forum where people show up and they talk at us, but because of the Open Meetings Act, we are not allowed to respond. So what we're doing is creating engagement and outreach sessions where we can go and have two-way conversations. So, so mark those down in your calendar and show up and let us, let us listen to you. Um, because it's important. Check our Facebook pages. I mean, they're the, especially those of us who are, or who are newer to the board, who we are now going to become the veterans, but we're engaged on social media. Mm-hmm. We're trying really hard to make sure that our, our, our constituents know what's going on. So, so just take that step to be engaged. We're trying to make it as easy as we can. I love it. Well, be engaged. That is my, I hope everyone's main takeaway from this <laughs> conversation. So let's go to lightning round questions. Okay. Who was your favorite teacher? So again, this was hard. So I'm going to have to um, clump it into a department. I would say it was the La Cueva English and History Department. And it was for sure Miss Wilson in 10th grade who taught me every single, um, I am a grammar expert now because of her. Miss Bryce in Honors English 11th grade, she taught me uh, how to, uh, she taught me about metaphors that I am now so keen, <laughs> keen to use. Um, and then Miss Briscoe, uh, my senior year world, world history, she, um, she was the hardest teacher I've ever had, but I learned to write from her. And so I think it was those three women that just were incredible. I love it. What's your favorite restaurant in Albuquerque? I I don't have a favorite restaurant in Albuquerque. I, I was trying to think of that, but I, I will say I went um, caroling with my daughter's uh, five-star show choir from Eisenhower on Thursday night down in Knob Hill, and I was thinking to myself, I really need to get out more. So <laughs> I actually want to go down to Knob Hill and try some of the restaurants that we were going into because they all looked fabulous. Well, um a plug for uh, a friend and supporter of our work, um, Angela, her and her husband are partners in the new Urban Hot Dog, which is on the west side, but now has a location in Knob Hill. So I've been highly recommend. We we, we, a, we walked by Urban Hot Dog and I thought that looks fantastic. That's so great. that might be where I have to go there next. You go. Tell us about something that you're watching, reading or listening. And this is not like a trick question of like impress us with your you know, intellectual reads. It's mm-hmm. just whatever. So I recently learned that J.K. Rowling has a nom de plume mm-hmm. and it's Robert Galbraith. And so I was, I've started reading the Robert Galbraith books. They're like murder mysteries. Mm. They're very good. They are very uh, J.K. Rowling-esque in the sense that they go into a lot of detail. Like if you think of Harry Potter mm-hmm. and how long those were. Um, but I've really enjoyed reading those books. So I think I'm on number six of the series. Um, and then any podcasts, I, I will, I read, I listen to the National Review, um, the editor's podcast, uh, whenever I go for a run. It's, I will not listen to a podcast unless I'm doing something. So I'm, I'm trying to bring some exercise and health into my life. There you go. Yeah. Probably a good stress relief for you. Too. <laughs> it has <laughs> turned into that. And what's your hope for education in New Mexico? My hope for education in New Mexico is that we become the new model for a miracle. I think we've all heard of the Mississippi miracle, um, but I think the truth of it is that it wasn't a miracle at all. It was that, again, the adults in that state made concerted decisions that they were going to um, they were going to use data, they were going to use research, they were going to hold themselves accountable, and they were going to do what was best for, for those kids. And I think if we can uh, implement those same strategies here in, in New Mexico, here in Albuquerque, um, our kids can be the next miracle. I love that. I really, really love that. I'm going to steal it. If you hear me soon, you will hear me say, <laughs> like, it wasn't a miracle at all. Um, so we talked about this a little bit, but just refresh everyone. Where should people be looking to follow along? with all the news coming out of APS. Yeah, so definitely go to the APS.edu website. Uh, a lot of the stuff is right there on the first landing page. Uh, there's also a section you can click on board that will give um, our meetings, how to sign up, you know, how to sign up for public forum. Absolutely everything is on that, uh, on that website. 
you can also, like I said, subscribe to some of our uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X pages. Um, a lot of us are trying to keep everybody up to date on when meetings come and, and when surveys need to be filled out and stuff like that. So I think that's really the best way. And and watch the paper. You know, we, we the, I think the journal has done a really good job of, of letting the, the community know when things are, mm-hmm. are coming. I will say that in the show notes, we'll share the things that we committed to sharing. So we'll share the Emerging Stronger website, the couple videos that you all have created, and then we'll share a link to that board page as well. So if you don't want to go through the Google search, you can just click in the show notes and find all that information. Courtney, thank you so much for your service, most importantly, but thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Okay. As you all know, at the end of each episode, we highlight any relevant education news that we think you need to know. So in case you missed it, New Mexico's education funding and student performance came under pretty intense scrutiny during a recent meeting of the Legislative Finance Committee that brought together legislators, education officials, and advocacy groups. The discussion arose as legislators worked on the state budget, which... um, I think we'll have the first preview of here in a couple weeks. And the legislators on the committee were pretty upset about the state's lack of progress in academic results despite the increase in funding for education. There is a great article written on NM Education by our reporter Diego Lopez. So head over to nmeducation.org to check that out. Teach Plus New Mexico is seeking nominations for schools implementing practices to increase graduation rates and post-secondary success. Selected schools will be featured in a report and will be invited to present at an annual innovation convening. For more information and to nominate a school, click the link um, which is featured on all of our social media channels. So if you think, if you know of a school doing amazing work, um, definitely please take a second to go nominate them for these awards. And then lastly, last week, New Mexico Secretary of Education Arsenio Romero sent a letter to the state school districts calling for accountability from his own department, district leaders, charter schools, teachers unions, and families. He wrote, far too many of our schools are underperforming. Students statewide have low reading and math proficiencies. This is unacceptable. It is time for accountability. We owe this accountability to our state's most precious resource, our children. So that's a wrap on our seventh episode of semester two. Thank you so much for joining us. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can follow us on social media at NMKidsCan to catch all the latest education news and hear about opportunities to use your voice to create change. Please consider rating the podcast and leaving a review or sharing the link with a friend. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.